Are you a parent in business that wants to learn digital marketing the right way? So you've got an amazing business and you want to shout it from the rooftops. You want everyone to know about it and you want to generate consistent revenue. You love the idea of your business working for you whilst you are busy making memories with your family. The one thing stopping you is digital marketing. From SEO to blogging, from creating your own digital courses to creating podcasts that parents will love. My Bumped Baby has the solution. We have launched our Digital Marketing Academy and it is designed for parent-focused business owners to grow and scale their business with ease. Our academy can be accessed from anywhere on any device, which means as a busy parent in business, you can learn on the go with our bite-sized straight-to-the-point videos. Join us today by visiting the link below and have seven-day free trial on us to see if the area is right for you. Click the link under this podcast to start benefiting today and access our training right away. We look forward to seeing you in there and teaching you everything you need to know about digital marketing for parent-focused businesses. My Bump to Baby is one of the UK's leading parenting platforms. You can find local pregnancy to preschool groups, classes and lessons wherever you are in the UK. Not only that, but you can read our honest reviews on the latest products, days out and services that you as parents need to know about. We also work with trusted financial advisors, family law solicitors and now estate agents too. If you would like to find your nearest trusted expert, head over to www.mybump2baby.com. Are you a parent looking to start a small business? Perhaps you've no idea where to start. Or maybe you've already got a small business and you're struggling to take it to that next level. My Bumped Baby is here to support you. My Bumped Baby business offers training packages, mentorship programs, one-to-one support and e-courses. If you would like more information on how to grow your business with My Bumped Baby, then email us. Our email address is info at mybump2baby.com. Hello and welcome to My Bump to Baby Expert Podcast, where we bring experts from all over the UK to answer your questions on everything pregnancy to preschool. Today I am joined by Lisa Dawson from Ellison's Solicitors and we are talking all about no-fault divorce. I hope you enjoy this episode. (laughs) 
Hello everybody and welcome to My Bumped Babies Expert Podcast. Today I have special guest Lisa Dawson from Ellison Solicitors with us and we're going to be talking about no-fault divorce. So hi Lisa, how are you? Hello Carla, I'm fine, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, very well. Um, So could you just introduce yourself Lisa? Yeah, sure. I'm a partner solicitor at Ellison Solicitors and I'm head of the family department. Um, I've been at Ellison's 20 years this September. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I did my training contracts at Ellison's and then I qualified into family. So and then I've worked my way up um, as, as I've gone along um, and we we cover everything in family law. So anything you can think of we do divorce separation civil partnerships dissolutions cohabitation agreements nuptial agreements we act for grandparents um, where they want to make applications in respect to their grandchildren if there's been a separation with one of their children obviously in their spouse or partner and we do internal relocations international relocations. so really anything you can think of in family law that's we, we will probably cover it wow that is amazing yes brilliant so today we're going to be talking about no default divorce because i know there's a lot of questions around this um so i'm going to start by asking you what a no fault divorce actually is yeah so no fault divorce um is a new um divorce that's available for everybody prior to no fault divorce there were five grounds that you had to rely on so the marriage had to irretrievably broken down and then you had to rely on one of five grounds to proceed with your divorce so two of those were what was known as the quickie divorce which was adultery and unreasonable behavior and then the others were time barred so two years separation by consent and five years separation without consent and desertion So the ones we dealt with mainly were unreasonable behaviour and adultery because there were no time limits on when you could make those um, applications for divorce. But what that meant was is that one party had to take the blame for the breakdown in the marriage. Now, where you've got a couple um, who want to um, separate amicably, Mm -hmm. that wasn't ideal at all because for example an adultery petition you would be saying that because of that adultery that's why your marriage broke down and that might not actually be the case because it might have been that you've been separated for a year but you're still married but because that person's entered into a new relationship and technically it's adultery um, with the unreasonable behavior depending on the severity you had to list sort of between five and seven re- examples of behavior that meant that the court would accept an unreasonable behaviour petition. So from the get-go, there was this level of animosity that was being created before you'd even started to discuss finances on separation following, um, you know, the marriage breakdown and the children. So that so the no-fault divorce now means that the marriage is irretrievably broken down, but you don't have to rely on one of those extra grounds. It is literally what it says on the tin. It's no fault. So it's a it's a really positive step forward. Definitely, because I imagine that's I mean, you could be splitting up on amicable terms, like you said. Mm. And then, you know, and then because you want this, it's like, right, what can I what can I say is the reason why? And then the other yeah. person's like, well, I didn't know you thought that of me. And, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> I can imagine yeah. that's when it gets quite, quite, um, yeah. quite messy. I mean, really. some, some, yeah, some people would say, 
uh, can I list my own unreasonable behaviour? And, uh, you know, you couldn't do that. You had oh, to wow. list the other person's unreasonable behaviour. So it did make things, yeah, difficult from the start, really. Yeah, it sounds it. So when did a no-fault divorce become law? Because that's only recent, isn't it? Yeah, 6th of April. Wow. So it's very, yeah, it's very, very new. Um, there's been a lot of press um, attention saying, um, you know, that divorce um, applications, as they're now called, are the highest they've been for a long time this month. But that's because um, we've had a lot of people waiting. They didn't want to file a petition on unreasonable behaviour. And once we had the date of the 6th of April, they were waiting for that to come in so that they could rely on no fault to reduce the animosity. So whilst we have filed quite a lot of petitions this month, they're, they're not because suddenly everyone wants to get a divorce. It's because they didn't want to rely on the previous fault grounds that were available. Yeah, that makes and that makes a lot of sense. So so when would someone apply for a no fault divorce then? At what stage? So and you're going to be able to apply um, in terms of your separation whenever you like, really. But you can't progress a divorce application until you've been married for one year and one day. So once you've been, because we do actually see people that have been married for less than a year, but you can't file the, the divorce application until you've got past that point. You should still go and get legal advice because you can enter into separation agreement. You can still agree arrangements for your children and you can agree who's going to be the applicant um, on the divorce application for no fault so there's lots of reasons to still go and get legal advice but that the time limit is a year and one day that hasn't changed right okay okay and and in terms of how long it takes how, how long is that does it does it does it take a long time from application right the way through to to the end so what it used to be was that you filed your petition with the court they would then issue your petition and serve it on the respondent by post the respondent then had seven days to reply if they wanted to defend and 14 days if they weren't planning to defend but just to acknowledge service and then as soon as you got your acknowledgement of service you can you could then apply for decree nisi now, technically, you would just then at the court's mercy as to how long their waiting lists were. And in all honesty, prior to the online divorce service, which we now have access to, it was taking probably between six to eight months, sometimes longer for wow. the courts to actually deal with an application for decree ISO. So it, pre-COVID, really, it was very bad. Um, but what COVID did was that it forced through the online service quicker. So once that came into play, we then had that available to us to make those applications. So actually, they were then taking what we would normally say would be between four and six months for a petition from beginning to end. But what's happened now with the no fault, because there had to be a compromise in removing the fault element, and the compromise was that there was what is called a cooling off period so what happens now is that you file your application your divorce application with the court they will then send it to the respondent now you have 28 days to serve the divorce application on the respondent so that's a slight change and then the respondent to the application has up to 14 days to reply and then once you've got that acknowledgement of service, then you could apply for what's called now the conditional order. But you have to wait 20 weeks from the issue of the petition to be able to do that. 
so there is that enforced time period it's as I say it's called the cooling off period mm -hmm. so it's giving couples the opportunity to consider whether they do really want to get divorced um, and then the process goes on the same in terms of that you have once a conditional order is pronounced you have to wait six weeks and one day to apply for decree absolute so it it will certainly take longer but what couples can do in that 20 week period is use that to discuss their finances mm -hmm. to try and come to an agreement by either going to mediation or using solicitors either alongside that process or solicitors having discussions or potentially court proceedings as a last resort and in relation to the children again having those discussions in mediation or between solicitors so you can have all of those things going along in the background mm. with a view to with the finances you can file with the court what's called a consent order at the point of conditional order being pronounced the only problem really in respect of that time delay is that normally we would always say to people don't implement your financial agreement until you have a consent order sealed by the court now because we can't file that until conditional order and then you're going to have to wait for that to be considered and sealed by the court that is going to cause a delay so if what sometimes happens people come to us or you know a, a wife or a husband will come to us and say look, we're, we're really amicable, we're going to do the no-fault divorce and we've sorted out the finances and we just want to get on with it. They're going to have a problem in that they might need to look at alternatives like a separation agreement in the interim period. They'll need to consider whether they should implement it because sometimes an agreement will be reached that might not necessarily be approved by the court. So there is that issue in terms of the time it will take mm -hmm. because the divorce application won't receive a final order I suspect you will be advised not to seek a final order until the finances have been resolved so that that's an added um, complication that you need to consider along with your solicitor about how to move things forward I, I totally get that I like what you said about other things going on in the background so you do feel like you are progressing with you know mm. everything while that's happening because there, there is a lot to sort especially when you've got children um mm. so there's all the child arrangements and then like you said the finances if a house is to get sold etc mm -hmm. so yeah so there's a lot to consider isn't there yeah with yeah that. It's a, it, and it gives you that 20 weeks it sounds like a really long time and actually and if you add on how long it'll actually take for the court to list it and then pronounce it you're probably looking at six months in total and it sounds like a really long time but actually it gives both parties time to reflect, to come to terms with, you know, the breakdown in the marriage, to see whether arrangements have agreed work, to put the house on the market. And then if it sells, you can look again at the financial agreement that has been reached. So there, it's not it's not necessarily bad news. It's just something that perhaps we hadn't needed to consider before. Yeah, yeah. And there's like you said, there's a lot, lot to consider, because I suppose with your finances as well, you could end up agreeing something and the house actually goes for a lot less than or more mm -hmm. than what you thought. And then again, you yeah. have to look at those again. So there's a lot of things that can happen along the way, really. Yeah, um, there is, yeah. And then also if, if perhaps someone met someone along the line as well, you just don't know. So 
yeah so there is I think you know that six months goes it it does go very quickly and I think you know divorce I often say is a bit like a death you have to come to terms with it and you go through all the emotions and that six months will give you time to to heal to an extent and reflect and take advice and consider all the finances and get financial disclosure from your spouse so that you can properly consider what agreement should be put in place Mm, yeah so so Lisa just um another question that sprung to mind actually is you Mm. know if someone applies for the no-fault divorce and then Mm -hmm. the other person doesn't want that what what would be the Mm -hmm. process then sorry to overcomplicate it it's just just in case someone might think they want that and then change the mind if you know what no no that's so the there is in in terms of the new procedure there is a new way of um going ahead with it which is a joint application so both parties can apply for a divorce application Mm -hmm. so that's that's completely new what is also completely new is that you cannot defend a divorce petition so if the respondent doesn't want to get divorced that's not a reason to delay the petition so it might have been historically that someone would defend an unreasonable behavior petition we we used to work in a way that would try and um, limit the circumstances that would happen but now they can there are very limited circumstances where they can dispute and they are quite legal technical issues in terms of jurisdiction and whether the marriage was even valid so they're very very narrow and um, technically complicated but you cannot now just simply defend a divorce so again that removes an element where you've got um, for example a controlling partner who simply doesn't want to let the marriage go Mm. they will not be able to complicate that they will be able to complicate it in terms of you might need to seek additional help in relation to service of the petition but once you or the application but once you get to that point then you will be able to progress your divorce and they won't be able to stop it which is a good thing yeah it is it really is because um I mean on I was going to actually ask um if that if a non-fault divorce means that people won't be able to rely on domestic abuse in the process of the divorce how how does that work yeah so what used to happen with the unreasonable behavior we used to try and do it on the basis that they were as mild of allegations as possible Mm. um, in order to minimize the acrimony between the parties but often people will feel like they need to vent those allegations and often it will be the case that they want to raise the allegations of abuse because they are relevant uh, within children act proceedings for example where there has been abuse that would potentially have an impact on what the court would order in relation to the time that the absent parent spends with the child so those domestic abuse allegations can be raised if relevant in financial proceedings which are very limited and are probably a whole nother podcast but um we and in children act proceedings where they would be potentially raised and considered and and just because they haven't or there isn't the ability now to raise them in a no-fault application that doesn't mean that they can't be raised later which is really important for people to understand actually that whilst the no-fault divorce is a positive from that perspective 
it releases an element of control, as I've said before, with the other party. But it doesn't mean that because you're accepting a no fault divorce, which is actually now the only option available, that you cannot raise concerns of domestic abuse within other proceedings. That's really interesting because sometimes, um, you know, some some parents might might only realise afterwards that they were involved in an abusive relationship because some, mm. some sometimes there's a, a lot of different forms of abuse and there's you know there's been a lot of TV programs about yep. abuse um, and and different ways because there's financial. Sorry, I know it mm-hmm. is totally another subject, but there is financial, <laughs> you know. Cont- yep behavior and it doesn't always mean um you know physical abuse Um, no it doesn't there's a lot of different different types of abuse out there and sometimes all it is is listening to someone else or talking to someone else and you think oh my goodness Mm. I was that was that was my partner so so it was interesting you said that absolutely yeah it's only often when there is a breakdown of the marriage and one or relationship even where one party then finally speaks to someone or speaks to a solicitor or speaks to uh, Women's Aid or other domestic abuse organisations which deal with um, violence against men as well, Mm. um, where they realise that, oh, oh, actually, yes, that that is what happened to me. And that they do, you know, they do realise because when you're in a domestic abusive relationship, your level of tolerance um, gets higher and higher because the abuse increases. So you don't necessarily see it until you're out of it so it's still very important to get advice even if you're going for a no-fault divorce so a lot of people will now um, as they did before to be honest with the online service they will um, do the petition or application themselves Mm. but that doesn't mean that you should you know knowledge is power I think with these situations and you should always at least get provisional preliminary advice where you are contemplating filing a no-fault petition um, or application sorry the the applications just come in all the wording has changed to make it um more friendly so it's only been in for uh, 13 days oh yes a lot after 20 years in the (laughs) in the field it's a lot to learn (laughs) a big change it is but it's you know there are there are some negatives to it to a degree but I think in balance it is a positive change and it will um it will certainly have a positive impact on couples that are amicably divorcing because it does happen and it happens all the time. And that will certainly be of benefit to those families because they're now blended families. They're going to be in each other's lives forever. They will have children potentially with other people and you've got step parents. And, you know, it's really important to try and maintain that amicable relationship and the fault based divorce didn't help that whereas now couples can think actually I don't have to raise that with them I don't have to rely on that so I can proceed with the divorce and then save your energy for discussions over the finances and children yeah that's huge a huge huge change but uh, yeah I I totally see what you're saying I I think it's a positive positive move Mm. forward yeah so um Lisa is there anything else that you think is important to add here I think really I would just say to people that um, as I've just said risk of repeating myself is that it is important to still get advice because you can proceed with the no-fault divorce and we will always discuss with people doing it themselves you know you're not obligated to instruct solicitors to do it but what I would say is that part of that that's important 
is getting advice about the financial situation because even when you get a final order for a divorce if you haven't got a consent order in place that does not prevent claims being raised later so if you divorce and you've got your final order and then you come into a large inheritance your ex-spouse can then make a financial application to the court now it might not be that they would get any share of it but there is a litigation risk there that they could raise whereas if you'd got your agreement put into a consent order that contained a clean break then that would prevent that from happening in the future so it's important to at least get that provision and advice to understand the impact of decisions and agreements that you're coming to and in relation to your children because issues will will always come up and often people will you know search on google and it might be if you're looking at you know a, a solicitor's website that is has got good information on it on it but there are some websites that do not have good information on a bit like you know dr google <laughs> the yes. doctor will say to you don't google your symptoms it's the same with with uh, your legal situation you should go and see a qualified solicitor preferably one who's a member of resolution most family solicitors are members of resolution which is a national agency which is dedicated to proceeding with the breakdown of relationships in a non-confrontational amicable way so you can go on to resolution and find a solicitor who is a member to help ensure that you proceed with your separation in that way or also get a referral from a friend or a friend of a friend if it's somebody who's been to see someone mm. and do your research really into who you're going to see but it's just really important to get advice of so the no fault yes it makes divorce easier on the face of it but that doesn't take away the complexities of the finances and the children aspects which as I say it's just really important to get that proper advice so that you're fully informed when making those decisions. Absolutely I was nodding away then when you said Dr Google because I had a headache the other day I googled it now I, I should be dead right now so, so I totally agree with you I mean for, for I think in, in terms of you know divorcing you want everything to be absolutely right and yeah. anything can turn at any point you know yeah. six months it could take up to six months is a long time for someone to meet yeah. someone else you to meet someone else someone to get a bit angry or you know yeah. and, and everything can can change and I do think it's really important important to to work with with your local solicitor where you can ring them up and say right mm. this has happened and you've got the right advice there because um, yeah. it's easy to fill in an application but you don't really know you know you want to know the ins and outs really yes yeah and also people will um perhaps be wary of going to a family solicitor because they'll advise you to you know go for the jugular and it's it's just not like that or it certainly shouldn't be um, so if you go to resolution and find a solicitor on there or go by recommendation of someone you should your solicitor should be discussing with you options of mediation for example arbitration they're all family focused resolution options available to people to come to an agreement and not go through the courts um, so that's something that your solicitor should be discussing with you. That's brilliant. I'm glad you mentioned about resolution because I, I like the sound of that and keeping it amicable, really. I think, mm. you know, as much as possible um, it is yeah. great. So, so um, Lisa, can you just tell everyone where um, they can find you if they want more information about this no-default divorce and, and if they yeah, want sure. to kind of work with Ellison solicitors? 
course. So we have um, branches throughout East Anglia, um, but we also obviously since COVID carry out appointments virtually. So even if you're not local to us, we could do a telephone or video appointment as well. But Ellison's, um, we've been established for over 250 years now. Wow. So we've grown. So I, when I started, we had probably about 70 staff. And now I think we're coming up to 250, maybe over 250. So we've grown substantially over the years. So we have lots of different departments. So we, So when we work with a client, in particular we will identify if they need to make a new will for example or we'll be able to refer them to our residential department if they need um, help with selling their house and if they have commercial properties we have a commercial property department we have an employment department insolvency dispute resolution so we're able to give a client that holistic approach by working internally in our firm and, and hand them over to the right person and recognize when they need different aspects of the law to assist them that's brilliant because it's like when you're selling a house isn't it and you're trying to you yeah. know you're ringing all these different people but you know to have it all under one roof is brilliant exactly everyone yeah. knows what's going on so that that's really good um so lisa could you tell us where um what numbers they need to contact and how they can get hold of you of course yeah so you can either go to the ellison solicitors website and um, linking through the contact page or you could call the main number on 01206 764477 and you can either ask for me Lisa Dawson or you can speak to any one of the team they'll be more than willing to help you and the other option is to email me so it's lisa l-i-s-a dot dawson d-a-w-s-o-n at ellison's solicitors so that's two s's in the middle dot com that's brilliant. Thank you very much, Lisa. That's That's been so useful. I really, really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, that's no problem. It's lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to My Bump to Babies expert podcast. If you would like to find help and support from experts in your local area, head over to www.mybumptobaby.com and you will also be able to find local pregnancy to preschool groups, classes, businesses and services in your local area. Wondering what's on in your local area? Come and join our weekly newsletter where we share the classes and groups that are on in your local area. From pregnancy to preschool, we have you covered. Click the link below this podcast to receive your newsletter each week, every Sunday, so you know what's on and you can plan your week ahead.